Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, if there's one thing that we've all learned over the past year and a half, it's that life can sometimes be extremely unpredictable, right? Life sometimes throws things at us that we just never saw coming. Now, I don't know what you were doing back on March 1st of 2020, but I'm pretty sure you were not preparing for a pandemic that was going to last 16 months and, and counting. None of us were. Back on March 1st of 2020, we were not hoarding toilet paper yet. Uh, we were not investing in Zoom, which is unfortunate because we all could have been rich. We were not taking our, our last vacations for a while, most likely. Why? Because we just didn't see it coming. Sometimes life throws these things at us that completely turn our world upside down. And it's not just pandemics. Uh, That could be a tough medical diagnosis. It could be the the sudden loss of a job or or even the loss of a, a loved one. As much as we try to maintain control over our lives and as hard as we work to to stay on top of things, Still, uh, we sometimes get hit with stuff that's just really, really hard. And when life hits us with something that's painful, when life hits us with something that's challenging or or disorienting, uh, part of what makes that so hard for us is that, at least in some cases, uh, that can really shake our faith, right? It can raise questions for us like, God, are are you here? God, are you with me in this? Because honestly, God, I don't see how you could allow this to happen to me. And suddenly, God, I'm filled with more doubt than faith. Maybe you've been in a place like that before. Another thing that can make it hard uh, is that sometimes we can start to lose our sense of hope in those circumstances, right? Because we we thought the future was going to look one way, and that seemed good, and we were optimistic about it. But then life takes one of those unexpected turns, and as a result... Uh, that, that future that we had been hoping for is no longer in the cards. And that can leave us in this place where we're struggling to maintain our sense of hope. If you've never been in a, a situation like that yourself, you're very lucky. Um, but I promise you that every single one of us has friends and family members and neighbors and coworkers who, who know what that's like when our faith is shaken and our hope is wearing thin. So this morning, Uh, A question for all of us, the question I want us to to think about together is, where can we turn? Uh, Where can we turn in those times when the chips are down and on our own, we just can't muster up much hope? Where do we turn when on our own, we just can't muster up much hope? Well, fortunately for us, uh, we have a God who cares so, so deeply for every single one of us. And God does not want us to get stuck in a place of hopelessness. And God knows how hard life can be. And God wants to help us. And God gives us help. Uh, In the story we read a few minutes ago in Luke chapter 5, that's giving us a glimpse of one of the most powerful ways that God helps us. So we're going to unpack that story in just a second. And we're going to find a way to renew our own hope. And we're going to find a way to renew the hope of others around us as well. Now, if you haven't been worshiping with us in recent weeks, we're in the middle of a sermon series right now that's all about courage. We've talked about how courage is a vital ingredient 
for a meaningful life. And we've talked about how courage is especially important for the Christian life. Because if we're not willing to courageously step up and do some things that are hard, if we're not willing to courageously step outside of our comfort zone, then we're going to struggle to follow Jesus. At least we're going to struggle to follow Jesus in a way that makes a real difference in our lives and in our world. So it's super important that we cultivate courage in our lives. And in this sermon series, we're looking at six different dimensions of courage. And for each one, we're thinking about how does Jesus model this for us and what's the difference that this makes for our lives and for our world. And for today, for today, we're looking at hope and we're looking at one of the connections between hope and courage. We don't always think about hope and courage being connected, but, but they are. And we're going to explore that today. Um, so let's take a look at this story from Luke chapter 5. Uh, when this scene opens here, uh, we find Jesus and he's teaching a crowd. And that was something that Jesus did often. There's nothing super unusual uh, about that. But we're told that in this particular scene, uh, it's not just any old crowd that Jesus was talking to. But Luke says that this was a crowd of Pharisees and legal experts. What does that mean? Well, it means these are the well-educated religious elite. These are the leaders. These are the theology nerds, essentially. I guess Jesus was kind of in professor mode that day, and, and he's giving this lecture to these more well-educated type of folks. We'll, we'll come back to them in a second. But while Jesus is doing that teaching, there's a sudden scene change, and we're told about a particular man who happens to live in that same town where Jesus is speaking. And Luke tells us that this is a man who had been paralyzed. Uh, we don't know the extent of his paralysis. Was it just his feet? Was it from the waist down? We don't know. What we do know is that this man was unable to walk. Now, it's possible that he was born with his paralysis, but it's more likely that he became paralyzed at some point in his life, whether that was because of a, a tragic accident or some kind of illness or, or something like that. And that tells us something about this man, right? It tells us about his experience. It tells us that this is a guy who knew what it was like to have his world turned completely upside down. He knew what it was like to get hit with something completely unexpected that robbed him of the life that he thought he was going to be able to live. And we can imagine the emotional toll that that must have taken on this man. We can imagine the spiritual toll that that must have taken on him, especially because at this time in the first century, there wouldn't have been much hope for healing. Uh, there wouldn't have been much hope for anything resembling a, a normal life, in part because it would have been almost impossible for this man to find work. So many of the jobs at the time required a lot of heavy physical labor. Um, this man would have needed a lot of help getting around in that culture. He would have faced a lot of stigma and, and discrimination, actually. So it's pretty safe to assume that this was a guy whose future looked honestly pretty bleak. And it's pretty safe to assume that when this story begins and we first meet this man, he's in that place, like so many of us have been before, where his faith has been shaken and he's struggling to maintain a sense of hope. He's struggling to keep hope alive in his life. And so in light of that situation, where does this man turn? Where does he turn? How does he find a renewed sense of hope in his life? Well, as it turns out, at this point in the story, the focus shifts away from this man and what he does, and the focus shifts now onto his friends and what they do for this man. Apparently, this guy had a really, really strong community 
around him. He has some very good friends, these people who were so invested in him that even though his hope was wearing thin, that even though he was struggling to muster up much hope on his own, his friends were able to keep hope alive for him. He had these friends who were able to keep hope alive for him until he was able to find renewed hope for himself. Uh, I think that this is such an, an amazing story. Uh, Luke tells us that this man's friends, uh, they hear that Jesus is in town, and Jesus has this reputation of doing, at least sometimes, doing these miraculous healings. Um, and, and so what do these friends do? Well, they grab their, their friend, the man who'd been paralyzed, and literally they pick him up. He was laying on his cot. They pick him up, cotton all, and they start carrying him across town to see Jesus. And, and check out their persistence in this story. You can tell how deep their friendship is. Because when they get outside the house where Jesus is, they look around at this crowd that was there and they realize, oh man, this is all Pharisees and and legal experts. Jesus is not doing any healings right now. Jesus is just giving some type of, of lecture. He's just teaching. Now, it would have been so easy for them in that moment to just give up and, and go home, right? But, but they don't. Instead, they keep hope alive and they press on anyway. Uh, they, they carry their friend on up to the front door of this house. But as they get to the door, they discover it is packed inside their, the, the house. It's just shoulder to shoulder. I mean, there's no way they're getting inside of there, much less getting all the way to the front to where Jesus is. And once again, it would have been so easy for them to, to give up hope and, and to just go home, but they don't. Once again, they keep hope alive. Uh, They get creative after that, and they climb up on the roof of this house, and they they haul their friend who's in the cot, they haul him up there, and then these friends, they they start ripping the tile off of this roof, and they keep ripping, and they keep ripping until they've made a person-sized hole in the roof of this house. I don't know who the owner of the house was. I'm sure he was freaking out, but once they've made this big hole, these friends then use rope, and they, they lower their friend down through the Hole, they lower him down right in front of where Jesus was inside. And we're told that Jesus was moved by their faith, which is a, another way of saying that Jesus was moved by the way that, that these guys had kept hope alive for one of their friends when he couldn't muster up much hope on his own. And then Jesus, uh, being the the brilliant speaker that he is, he's able to actually just weave all of this into his lecture for the day. Apparently, Jesus had been teaching about the forgiveness of sins. And so he uses this event as an analogy about the healing power of forgiveness. And that allows the man to, uh, allows Jesus rather, to to heal the man's paralysis and at the same time still drive home uh, his point about the, the forgiveness of sins. And then Luke tells us, that as soon as the man's legs were healed, he hopped up and he picked up his cot and he walked out praising God. He walked out praising God, not just because he had found this physical healing, but because on a deeper level, on a spiritual level, his own hope, it had finally been restored. And that was possible because he had such a strong community around him. And they they carried him to Jesus and they kept hoping for him until his own hope could be restored, until his own hope could be restored. Restored. Now, I'm just here to tell you this morning that you need some friends like that in your life. And I do too. You need a community like that in your life. And, and I do too, because life is too hard. 
and life is too unpredictable, and there are too many ways for us to lose hope in this life to not have a community like that. We need friends who are going to keep bringing us back to Jesus. We need friends who are not going to give up and go home at the first sign of trouble. We need some friends in our lives who would tear up somebody's roof if they had to uh, in order to, to help restore our sense of hope. And God knows that we need that. God knows that we need that. That's one of the reasons why God invented this thing called the church. Uh, Because when we do it right, uh, church is supposed to be that kind of community. And I say supposed to be because I know for many of you, you've had the exact opposite experience of church, right? You've had the experience of churches who tear people down instead of building them up. You have experience of churches that are anything but hopeful. And the church can be so hurtful and the church can be so wrong. But when we do it right, when we do it right, when we do church the way that God intends, then the church becomes those friends in our lives who keep carrying us back to Jesus, who who keep hope alive for us, especially in those hard times that we sometimes go through when we're struggling to keep hope alive on our own. And the truth is, the truth is, that's something that all of us need in our life because it's life-giving, it can be life-saving, and it's one of the ways, one of the most powerful ways that God helps us to navigate all of the ups and downs that we face in our lives. Uh, So I will end with this this morning, and you would expect a a preacher to say this, uh, of course, but it's true. Uh, Whoever you are, whatever your faith journey looks like, whether you are a lifelong Christian, whether this is the first time you've ever tuned in to, to anything related to church, whoever you are, wherever you're at, you need a great church community in your life. Uh, not just to be on the membership rolls of a church somewhere, not just to pop into worship a couple times a year and, and get your spiritual fix, but you need to invest yourself in a church community where you can develop these kinds of friendships and where you can be this kind of friend for others as well. Because, you know, we may not be the one on the cot today, but somebody is, and they need a friend like us. And then at some point when it is us who's on the cot, we're going to need a friend like them as well. Uh, So for those of you who don't already have a, a church community that you're investing yourself in, I'd invite you to invest yourself here at Kindred. We would love to have you. And depending on your background, I know that could take a lot of courage. It could take a lot of courage to invest yourself in a church community for the very first time. It could take a lot of courage to invest yourself in a church community after the horrible experience that you had in your church background. And I don't want to promise you that Kindred Church is perfect because we're not. No church is perfect, but we are committed to creating this kind of community together. And you will be such a blessing to us, and I believe we'll be such a blessing to you. So I want to encourage you to, to have courage and to get plugged in here and to give us a try. And if Kindred already is your, your church home, I would encourage you to just reflect on the ways that you're investing here already. And is there a new step that God is calling you to take to help this community become more like the friends that we read about in this story? That new step uh, might require some courage. Uh, It can take courage when we feel called to invest more of our time in church. It can take courage when we feel the call to invest more of our financial resources in the church. It can take courage to invest more of our energy, more of our concern, more of our prayers into the life of the church. But investing ourselves 
in this community. That's how we cultivate the kind of friendships that can keep hope alive for ourselves and for others when we need it. One thing I know is that if we can keep creating that kind of community, those kind of friendships together, then we're going to get to spread so much life-giving hope to others and and we're going to be able to receive that life-giving hope whenever we need it. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and, and loving God, we give you thanks for the way that you provide for us, Lord. We give you thanks that you're a God who's intimately involved in our lives, and so you know the ups and downs that we go through. You know how unexpected life can be for us. You know the hardships and the trials that we sometimes face, God, and you don't leave us to go through all of that alone. But you call us into community, this special community that you've created called the church. God, we confess that so often we get church wrong, and we, we confess that that is hurtful. And we ask you to, to heal the pain that's been caused by the church. God, help us to do church right, because we know that when we do, it is so life-giving. And it helps us to, to keep renewing one another's hope, to keep carrying each other back to the hope of Jesus over and over, as many times as it takes so that we can help each other to keep hope alive. God, we thank you so much for that wonderful gift of community. God, we pray for the courage to invest ourselves as deeply as possible in those kinds of friendships here. God, we pray all of this in the name of our Savior. Amen. consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.